Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just <laughs> there's good racing and I enjoy it. Mm. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Well, hello and welcome to Inside Supercars. Something very different for this post-Clipsal edition. Live in ones and zeros from San Giorgio's Pizzeria in Adelaide. And joining me... From VRX Magazine is Adrian Mussolino and Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. And what a weekend, guys, to be talking about this Clipsal 500. We'll start with the end first. Nick Perkett getting his first solo win, his second career win, Adrian. Um, an amazing result for the local Adelaide crowd. Yeah, it's fantastic. The first ever South Australian winner at the Clipsal 500 and unexpected. I don't think many of us thought... He was among the contenders going into this weekend, but great reward for that team that's stuck around and Holden Motorsport, which has supported it over the years, and it's it, you know had faith in two young drivers in Nick Perkett and Andre Heimgartner this year, and it's just great when they see that reward for all that hard work over the years. And um, I can't remember if they've had a podium before today. No, so uh, amazing way to do it. One of the biggest events of the year. And critically, Peter, the SP Tools deal on both cars was for one race. They were hoping on on Saturday night that they could get a good result on Sunday to justify SP perhaps staying on. And you don't get a better result than winning the Clips of 500. It was great seeing the SP Tools colours on the cars. Um, it sort of looked a little bit like HRT from last year or uh, with a bit more of an orangey colour. It almost looked like the HSV cars from many years ago. Uh, so it was quite striking, and it, it added to the feel for the event that uh, we didn't have cars that were empty of sponsorship. Uh, Nick Perkett, you don't see him on the podium often. He just saves it up for the really big events, doesn't he? Two wins now, and he's won the two biggest events, and in fact the media decided that the Clipsal event is now the better event of the year than Bathurst uh, this weekend when the pre-season poll was held. Yeah, I, I'm amazed by that. Bathurst is still something special, but... It was good as well to see Ted alongside him, given they won that race together at Bathurst back in 2011, and Ted has played a really important part in his career and really mentored him on and off the track, so that was a nice touch that they were together on the podium there, and I think I'm saying the tallest drivers with the shortest driver, with Caruso up there as well, um, made for some funny podium photos. It would have indeed. Now, we should take a break before we talk about the racing in depth and some of the other issues here on Inside Supercars. Coming to you live from, well, San Giorgio's on Frome Street in Adelaide. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do. But, um, 
take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Here with me, Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino. And Peter, it was extremely interesting, the diversity of what we saw this weekend. Damn hot and damn wet in two different days. When it was damn hot, though, what was interesting in Saturday's second race was the fact that Courtney was in front of Wing Cup and he looked like, even when he made a mistake in turn eight or a mistake out of a corner, he had more horsepower to pull away from the Red Bull racing car. And I know comments were made down in Red Bull about the fact that for the first time in a long, long time, they didn't seem to have equal power or even better power than HRT. It's a funny old sport, isn't it? Uh, A few weeks ago, people were thinking that HRT were uh, down on their luck, they were losing some sponsors, uh, and they come out with such a strong performance. So uh, clearly they've done some very good homework over the uh, the off-season. And there was talk about the car as more consistent to drive. Um, And, uh, yeah, in addition to handling better, uh, clearly it's got a few more uh, ponies under the bonnet as well. Yeah, it's um, it's a really important year for HRT given the question marks over holding funding and the loss of the monster deal very late on in the piece. And both Tanner and Courtney are their contracts are coming to an end at the end of this season, so they really needed to put their stamp on this event. Obviously, Courtney's had a good run the last couple of years, but it's not translated in championship. So it was good to see that as well. They were strong in both the dry and the wet. So. It should be a more competitive year for them. And, you know, I'm just intrigued by that Tanda Corny inter-team rivalry and that'll be fun to watch throughout the year. It hasn't been there the last couple of years, has it? They've hit each other a few times, but it hasn't been a rivalry for being right at the front. No, not, not at all. Yep. Really, it was one of those laughing points last year is how many times they uh, they, they covered each other and took each other out. And then they tried to do the PR spin going, no, no, there's nothing happening here. Uh, no one really believed that. Um, yes, it's actually quite interesting. We came into the weekend expecting the uh, the strongest rivalry, the most interest, being Van Gisbergen versus Winkup. And uh, here we are talking about two other guys. And stupid mistakes punctuated the weekend. We saw bonnets flying up. We saw pit stop errors, significant pit stop errors to front-running cars right throughout Saturday's racing. And then we had it pouring down rain and cars still on slick tyres leaving the dummy grid. Yeah, it's understandable given the conditions. You know, that was one of the hottest race weekends I've ever experienced. And first event of the year, everyone's a bit rusty and throw in the chaos of the Sunday race with the weather. And it's understandable. You know, there are a lot of driving mistakes as well. But when you think about how bad the wet weather was on Sunday you know credit to all those drivers for for what they put up with you know to go from one extreme to the other it really was incredible and you know we really should have seen more accidents than we did the Saturday split races do they have to go Peter they've, they've gone in other races but Clipsal has kept their Saturday split races oh, it's something we're going to talk about quite a lot over the over the years I think um that they introduced the soft tyres for the first of those Sunday races and that failed to deliver anything more interesting. 
And in fact, it was the second Sunday race that uh, I think uh, had more interest and, and uh, more, more happening in it. So, uh, well, uh, the, the other thing is that uh, with the heat, we speculated that the, the two shorter races actually made it tolerable for the drivers. If it had have been the full 250Ks on Saturday, uh, it could have gotten a bit messy out there. And, and it's funny, we, we, we speculated about whether on the Sunday, if the heat was there, should they call a, a red flag period, let the drivers get out, cool down, spend 10 minutes in their ice bath before they uh, resumed activities. Well, we had the red flag, but it wasn't for the heat. No, it definitely wasn't. And uh, a, a, an interesting uh, piece of information, the in-car temperature of the Nissans was about 55 degrees for... Uh, I'm not sure, maybe it was the um, HRTs or Fords, they were about 62 degrees, and for the Red Bulls, it was up around the 70 mark in the car. That's quite a disparagery, Adrian, on in-car temperatures that the drivers are having to uh, having to endure. Yeah, and that's very important. Any little bit helps, and you know, credit to all the drivers. I mean, remember when we first this event first started, and we had drivers passing out and fainting, and and you think how everyone stood up today and and made it through and. You know, they certainly earn their money, and that's why they're professionals. And you can just tell the quality of the field's gone up a level since that era. And, Peter, a lot of people spoke primarily about the conditions the drivers are in, but all those mechanics were in a tin shed, and they were suffering not perhaps the same level of heat, but they were suffering a very prolonged one because they didn't go into the ice baths for an hour before the race and bring their core temperature down. There are hundreds of people involved behind the scenes to make the event happen. And it's everyone from the mechanics to the fire marshals, the flaggies. There are a lot of people out there that uh, are putting quite an effort across the weekend in, in the extreme conditions of both the, the heat and the rain. Uh, and uh, you know, in particularly the officials, uh, they're volunteers. And uh, they, they were doing it tough in the heat. Indeed, and it was great work by them. James Courtney and uh, J-Dub were the winners on Saturday, Adrian, and as Peter alluded to, the second race was what made the day. That was a fantastic battle between HRT and Red Bull Racing. Yeah, and that's what you want, that sort of battle right to the end. This event suits that, given the crowd. It's almost like a football crowd in that main grandstand, and it was a fantastic battle, and you know, given Courtney's form this weekend... You know, he might be in that championship fight at the end of the year. Win Cup certainly is, we know that. So, you know, that could be the prelude for what he, you know, will roll out for the rest of the year. And, you know, Courtney, there's something about this place that he just loves. And, you know, he didn't have the luck on Sunday. But, you know, him and Win Cup really are the most successful drivers of this current breed here. Yeah, they've been amazing, but it's Nick Burkett's name that's on the trophy. After the break, we'll talk about Sunday here on Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at the Freeway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Adrian Mussolino from VRX Magazine and Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. Now, uh, Nick Burkett's win, Lucas Dumbrell, he was absolutely gutted when Nick couldn't start race two because they'd left the bonnet pins undone and the, the uh, bonnet flipped up and then they had a battery issue which eventually put him out, but... On Sunday, winners are grinners, and uh, whilst it's all not forgotten, it certainly makes up for what was a crazy mistake on Saturday. Leaving the bonnet pins out, it's one of those things that I think uh, most people with a racing car do in their lives once, and only once. Uh, It just takes out one time, and it's scary stuff. Yes, I've done it in a rally car. Um, It's scary when all of a sudden you can't see. Uh, and uh, you know, here they are in, in front of uh, you know, such big crowds and TV audience to do something so embarrassing like that. But uh, yeah, and then there was the talk about the electrics and they wouldn't have finished anyway and, and trying to find a silver lining in it. Um, the silver lining was Sunday. Indeed. Uh, what was your take on Lucas Umbrella Motorsport for this year and then the outcome on Sunday? Yeah, it's, it's as I said, it's a really important win for them. They They've always seemed to face an uncertain future given sponsorships and uncertainty over their driver lineups. They always seem to be the last to announce their drivers. But, you know, it's a great reward for that little team and all the hard work they've put in. And, and also for Nick, I think we sometimes forget him when we talk about future generation and Scott Pies and Mostrits and McLaughlins, but he's won a Bathurst, he's now won a Clipsal and... You know, in five, ten years' time, he's definitely going to be amongst that top echelon of drivers. He's certainly a driver that's got a lot of skill, but he's he's copped a bit of a bad rep with his uh, media and uh, with his persona, hasn't he? He's uh, he's almost going down that Jamie Wincup path, which is very hard to recover from, Peter. Yes, that's right. A lot of drivers, they obviously have to have a lot of self-confidence, and it's a fine line as when it comes off as looking arrogant. Um, I, I think he earned a lot of respect last year. He went to a team that was backmarkers, and I think he showed a bit of leadership in uh, getting that, that crew of... You know, previously, they had a, a reputation of almost being misfits, and he got them into the top ten on a, you know, a semi-regular basis last year. So uh, I think he's growing as a, as a professional driver and as a, an important part of the team. So this will uh, help give them even more confidence. Yeah, and, and the the Bathurst win, as great as it was, it almost came too early in his career, and that you know it, it made things difficult for him in the sense of he felt like he then deserved a full time drive, but didn't come so quickly. He went to Carrera Cup, so it's been a bit, bit of a battle for him. He never quite fit into Walkinshaw. They always seem to have drivers locked in already when he was seen like the chosen one. So again, he's. It's very interesting to see where he's going to end up in the future because he has that hold and tie and 
as I said, he we should be talking about him when we talk about the Mostets and McGrockens and Pies of the world. All right, now uh, Mostet, he returned. He had an unbelievable Saturday. There's no doubt about that. But Sunday, you, his car going into the wall sent shockwaves right around the uh, entire Eclipse uh, 500. Uh, he's so, clearly so very, very fast, um, but it's the little mistakes, isn't it, that, uh, that, that keep popping up. Uh, the, the Bathurst uh, crash, it was scary. Everyone paused and uh, were thankful that it wasn't much worse. Um, now that we're past that, I think we have to say, hey, it was a silly move. Uh, and, uh, yeah, another uh, error today. Yeah, the, the thing that comes from this weekend is he's not lost any of that raw speed. It's just a question of how it's applied into a championship setting. And, you know, we don't know what would have happened last year. I think he would have come close to pushing Frosty all the way. And and we need to see now how he fights back, especially given it seems like they have a battle in their hands. While their cars were quick over a lap, they weren't that great in the race. So, you know, how are him and Frosty going to deal with that? And... And, you know, we saw him limping heavily throughout the weekend. I don't think he's quite fit. You know, his knee seems to be giving him some trouble, so it may take some time for that leg to get up. But a teammate in FPR, in Cameron Waters, his co-driver for the Endurance Series, had a uh, a fantastic debut in a solo effort. And amazingly, we talked about FPR making some very, very silly strategy mistakes they perhaps were going the conservative way with Cam, which turned out to be the right way most of the weekend. Uh, Cam was in his first ever top ten shootout, so yeah, clearly that speed is now coming. Uh, when he uh, subbed in for Mozart uh, late last year, it looked like he was struggling. Uh, but uh, now he's come out swinging and starting to show some uh, real promise. Psychologically, when it's your car, it does make it a lot easier for you. Absolutely, and I think he... He deserved that ride this year, winning the Dunlop Series the way he did. And, you know, last year's final events probably was a good training school for what the main game's about. He got roughed up a bit in those races. And I think as well, he's in the garage across from Mark Winterbottom, and that helps to have someone so experienced across the way. Now, Peter, Craig Lowndes. What do you take from this weekend for Craig Lowndes? He showed great speed when the conditions were at at their worst. But uh, in many of the other sessions, he was that little bit off the pace. So some people are speculating whether he's in a, a bit of a, a, a B team, and uh, we'll take the fullness of time to find out if it's getting the same uh, same amount of love as uh, the Red Bull cars. Now, an interesting statement there, Adrian, because uh, Lowndes has got Ludo as his engineer, the lead engineer for Triple Eight. He's had. He's got uh, Jamo and a bunch of marketing people in there. He's got his lead mechanic from last year. He's got his own car from last year. It's hard to think that that's a B operation. No, absolutely not. I think it, it seems as though it is, given it's in the second garage, but I think it's still got Triple Eight's full attention. And remember, this is the first time ever that Triple Eight's done more than two cars. So I think there's you know a bit of a learning curve for them as well this season. And... It's interesting the dynamics between the two Red Bull drivers and how Lowndes fits into all that. But, you know, in that first section of that Sunday race, he came through from 17th and it just shows what experience counts for. And in those races, he's going to come to the fore. Well, we need... Oh, sorry, Peter. But, uh, Adrian Escher pointed out he came from 17th. 
he didn't make the top ten shootout. Uh, in the the outright speed, he's not uh, there at the same level as the Red Bull cars. Yeah, and that's ultimately what cost him the championship last year is he had too many of those days where he qualified so down the field and we remember in Sydney when it all came down to that first qualifying session and he put it in the wall and you know at the end of the day that's what kills you because this championship's all about consistency and he needs to address that and it's something he and Ludo probably need to focus on that qualifying speed. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. Uh, we're still live from, well, a very convenient Italian restaurant just down the road from the track here. Plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino. And guys, uh, we need to talk fuel dumps. Most people don't really think about the fuel dumps. They know that it's part of the rules. But in a rain-shortened race that was timed out, fuel dumps became very important. Uh, clearly, when they wrote the rule book, they didn't uh, anticipate a situation like this. Out of the 78 laps... Uh, how many laps were they uh, come up short? Well, they completed 41. Uh, yeah, completing 41 out of 78. Clearly, the, the fuel calculations and the, the fuel requirements, it, it needs a rethink. Uh, uh, maybe it needs a Duckworth-Lewis kind of uh, adjustment for, for rain-shorted cricket or something like that. Or if you had to run the two different types of tyres as soon as it goes wet... You don't have to do follow that rule, and so perhaps you dump the fuel dump rule if you have to go to wets or if it's declared wet. Yeah, absolutely. I think today was a learning day for VS Supercars, and I think you'll see a bit of a rule adjustment there. And you know, we have to ask: Do we need that fuel dump regulation now that sort of parity in terms of engine performance seems to be improving? And maybe it's something more for the endurance races. I'm not sure, but it's you know it was a shame that that seemed to cloud the results today and you know obviously it's something that they need to discuss and figure out and make amends because we don't want to see that you know cars ducking into the pit lane on the last couple of laps because they need to you know fulfill some obligation in the regulation and of course on next week's uh, interview show we will have roland dane talking about that uh, that rule in a bit more detail guys uh, we should look at so many new combinations. X magazine in their current edition looked at all those new uh, combinations. Who do you think came out best with all the moves? It was difficult to say because there's been so many you didn't know where to look. But, you know, I thought Will Davison had a solid weekend at Techno. I think he probably had the biggest expectation on him or the biggest shoes to fill in terms of the role he moved into. You know, it's it really hard to say. I think Cameron Waters has, you know, stepped up and done a great job there this weekend. But no, none of the real 
movers sort of shone. I guess Coulthard had a good weekend on pole for the third race. Disappointed, obviously, in the result on Sunday, but it's hard to say. I think that'll be a season thing. I, I know who struggled the most this weekend, and that was James Moffat. He you know, was struggling to get a handle of the S60, and obviously the reliability issues, which is a worry. So... We'll have to see as the season pans out. Peter? Uh, I was impressed with the, the Penske team. Uh, out of the three races, they started on pole for two of them. Clearly, they've got some speed straight out of the box, but they're, they're in a bit of a kindergarten uh, situation where they they need to uh, bring the team together and, and get race strategy and uh, pit stops and all those other things really, really working. For David Reynolds, it was a very different uh, weekend for him. He went from a front-running car to a car that is expected to be at the back, and uh, as he said to me, and you'll hear next week on the show, we had great wet weather pace. Unfortunately, we don't always have wet weather races. (laughs) No, the great wet weather pace, uh, over the years in all forms of motorsport, uh, typically that's uh, the great equaliser, and the, the driver's skill comes through. It's not about uh, power. It's not about the, the finesse in setting the car up. It's uh, about the, the driver's bravery and skill in catching it as it slides. Aaron Russell, I think it's safe to say he would be disappointed with the Novocastrian Motorsports uh, first outing in this, uh, in this guise. But he did show some promise there and uh, he looked like he was getting more and more comfortable when he was in the dry and having an opportunity to drive it hard. Absolutely, I think he had the toughest task of any of the the new drivers in their new spots because of how late that Holden Erebus deal came together and you know they've only just moved back into Melbourne in the factory and gotten those Walkinshaw Commodores. That's going to be a process. I think they'll come on strong in the second half of the season and you know as we've seen with Ash Walsh before him and it's just such a hard act for rookies. You know, they're given so little time in the car and we really, they really need a whole season and then a second season and that same package to show what they're made of. Well, a break and a final thought up next here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two laps to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars on the white flag lap here. A final thought or observation, Peter Norton. It's linked to what I just said, uh, what I just mentioned about the Penske team. Uh, publicly, they were saying, look, it's a, a new group of guys coming together. There, they, there'll be a learning curve and all of that kind of thing. But clearly, they've uh, shown the pace that they've got. And behind closed doors, they'll be pretty cranky at the mistakes that were made. And uh, I think they're a force to be reckoned with now. Adrian Mussolini. Uh, Nissan Motorsport flew under the radar this weekend, but they were strong. They had good pace. Michael Caruso leads the championship, and you'd hope for their sake that that, 
that win is right around the corner and you know it's really important for Vets Supercars that they're competitive this season and early signs are that heading into a season without major engine or aero changes that they should be up there. Yeah, indeed. It's going to be an interesting time. Next week on the show, as I said, an interview show with a lot of interviews coming out of the Clipsal 500 and uh, particularly with the lead-in to the Grand Prix. Thanks very much, Adrian Muslano. Thank you. And Peter, and Peter Norton. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, fellas. As the Checker Folk waves over another edition of Inside Supercars, till next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.